0: Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast. It is so great to be with you. I'm Dr. Fujian Singh. I'm a psychotherapist and the author and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. Our conversation here is about what matters most in our life, our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. For all the psychotherapists out there, mental health practitioners and life coaches, the Essentials of Awareness Integration Theory course is coming up June 24th to 26th. Early bird special is June 10th. Sign up. Um, The space is limited. Love to share with you. So contact me at uh, awarenessintegrationinstitute at gmail.com, fujanzain at gmail.com. Go to awarenessintegration.com. Any of those, just call me. Let me know. Today I'm excited to um, speak to Dr. Saloni Sharma. She is a double board certified in pain management and rehabilitation medicine. She's the medical director and founder of um, Orthopedic Integrative Health Center and Rothman Orthopedics, and has treated thousands of patients. She's also co-chair of pain management and spine rehabilitation for the American Academy of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. She's a popular speaker at Google and an award-winning clinical assistant professor at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. You can find her at SaloniSharmaMD.com. We will be talking about her latest book, Pain Solution, five steps, ready? Five steps to relieve and prevent back pain, muscle pain, and joint pain without medication. Yes, 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 without medication. She is an amazing book that takes you to step by step in doing that. And we're going to chat about it. Um, subscribe to this podcast, my YouTube channel, and connect with me through my website, fuzhanzain.com or any of the social medias. I'd love to hear from you. So here it is.
1: Well, here we are
0: with Dr. Saloni Sharma, and um, it is so nice to have you.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it.
0: So you um, you have authored the book, The Pain Solution uh, to relieve and prevent back pain, muscle pain, and joint pain without medication. Now I'm positive everybody that is hearing us and who's going through pain, turns around and says, what, (laughs) what do you mean without medication? I need my medication. And I know myself when I've gone through pain, that the first thing is like, give me something to take this medication away. But I also know um, that pain medications um, can be very addictive. And obviously, you know, we have um, definitely a, a problem in uh, let's just say it's around the world about this. And I've also worked with addiction for about 30 years. So I also know what happens. And then a lot of times with the type of opiates, we also have character changes, you know, personality changes after many, many years of, of using that. Um, so when I saw your book, I'm like, yes, that's awesome. Because we really, really need uh, to look at that venue. So share with me based on your experience of all of these years, um, what got you first to write the book and then to share with us your experience of how you got from um, you know, your experience in not going toward medication and having the alternatives.
1: Sure, thank you for that great introduction and discussion. It is a huge problem, as you said, um, and it's devastating you know individuals and families and communities you know just, Worsening, unfortunately, over the years. Um, In terms of the book, it it was really something that was missing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are told, you know, don't take pain pills or they don't want to take pain pills, but they're really not given alternatives or other ideas. And I completely hear you. When you have acute pain, you may need a medication, and that's, you know, human nature and that's normal. So I'm not saying never take a pill, but I'm saying if you have ongoing pain, or if you're trying to prevent severe ongoing pain, there's lifestyle changes or things you can do in your daily life that make a difference. And the reason I wrote the book is because physicians like myself, we're usually with a patient for about 15 minutes on average, um, oftentimes less, unfortunately, for many unfortunate factors. And so it's really what people do for the other 23 hours plus of their life that matters. And that's what affects their pain. And it really boils down to inflammation. So even, um, you know, with mindset and mindfulness, that all goes back to inflammation too. you. So we really don't want to reduce inflammation, which reduces pain. I like to use an analogy of someone with arthritis of their knee. The arthritis of the knee is there, right? You get that diagnosis, it's on X-ray, people can see it, you have arthritis. But it's not always swollen, right? It only swells up sometimes. And the difference is inflammation. So same thing in someone's back or someone's joints or someone's muscle pain is it, when they're inflamed, it's painful. So if we can reduce inflammation with simple things, and that's really what I really try to emphasize in this book is the why, why it matters, and the how, and, and to make the steps really easy. Um, I even coined a term called micro boost, which are little steps that add up to big relief. So tiny little tweaks we can do in our day to really help calm inflammation and reduce pain in the long-term. And in fact, build pain resiliency. So try to prevent some future severe pain too. A
0: Couple of things that I'm hearing from you. One is a lifestyle change. So it could also be that if people have the ability uh, that they're not in pain yet and they know that they're aging or that they are in um, type of a lifestyle that um, is a little bit risky, maybe they're in sports or they do things uh, that, you know, their job requires them to uh, move things in a particular way, which could have a back injury or a backache, Um <laughs> I work with a lot of mothers which with their first child and second child they really because uh, they have to keep picking up the child from the butts and they don't do it well you know as they're they're not really connected to their body so their movement just creates a lot of pain for them and um, so the, the the first concept is if you could be proactive and create a lifestyle change for yourself where you could really um prevent or even if it's there to manage it well. So one um, I heard was food. So to for food to calm down the inflammation, exercise, uh, sleep. Um, These are some of the uh, concepts that I had kind of read in your book that these are important in order to bring down the inflammation. Is that did I get that accurate?
1: Yeah, that's right. So those are the three of the five steps. The other two steps are working on stress reduction, which I know you're an expert on, um, as well as relationships with yourself and with others. So really mindset comes into play, as well as coping skills.
0: Yes, I remember at one point, I had moved in a very, very weird way. And I was at somebody's house, and I sat in the on the couch in a peculiar way. Uh, something got pulled, I could not walk. So they had to carry me home. And then the next day, Um, I could not get up. Literally, I could not get up. Um, I had lost all of my uh, muscle capability because the pain was so excruciating. Um, Saloni, I wanted to die. I remember that day I said, this is it. I cannot handle this. I just don't want to live. And this is something that I consistently hear from my clients, that the pain brings the utmost level of depression, utter powerlessness and um and i remember doing the mri doing all of that and it was like nothing you just you know pulled really bad and uh, they told me to go to pilates and really uh, you know work on myself and really exercise and to be able to do that but this concept of um i can't do anything i don't want to do anything and just give me something that i can get out of it as soon as possible which brings us to pain medications Mm -hmm. and i know from your work that you've had to deal with that. How do you support your patients and clients and not going from I, like me, I just want to die right now. Give me something to uh, getting them into uh, the lifestyle changes and things that they got to do.
1: Yeah, and I'm sorry you went through that. Unfortunately, it's, it's all too common. Um, as you may know, more than 85% of Americans will have back pain at some point in their lives. So either yourself or a family member or a friend will suffer with back pain alone. That's not even talking about muscle and joint pain um, as well as neck pain. So I think when you're in that acute painful situation, I don't think there's anything wrong with the medication. I just don't think it should be an opioid medication. So I think that's a distinction. You know, if something's acutely inflamed or injured, then yes, sometimes you might need, you know, an anti-inflammatory or a muscle relaxer or something along those lines temporarily. And that's really the key it's temporary, right? So you throw your back out, for example, um, you know, you shouldn't still be on the monster relaxers two months later. You know, there's, there's other things that should be going on maybe for a week, maybe three or four weeks, but you should start to get some physical therapy. Like, like they suggested to you with the Pilates, you know, some core work. Um, you should start to look at other medications. You should start to look at your ergonomics. You should start to look at stress. I mean, maybe that was a stressful time in your life, you know, and your body internalized that. And we all carry stress, for example, in our traps, you know, we just sort of hunch up. And if you're prone to a neck issue or a spine issue, and then you tense up, that's just going to amplify it. So it's really looking at all the other aspects. Maybe you weren't sleeping well for the days leading up to that, um, you know, and, and it's not a blame game because I'm definitely not trying to blame anyone. It, this is our society. We know we're always going, we're always running, we're never resting. I even have a concept in the book called an adult timeout. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's really just taking 10 minutes a day and really scheduled into your day to do something you enjoy. And it doesn't have to be, you know, sitting in and doing formal mindfulness or meditation and with a mantra and chanting and all of this. And there's a lot of data behind that. So I think that's wonderful if that's something that people are engaged in. But if that's not for you, um, it can just be an activity you enjoy and makes you mindful and present. So you're not thinking about what you have to do later or what you didn't get done. You're kind of in what they call the flow state, right? You're in the zone. It could be cooking. It could be painting, it could be woodwork, it could be writing, it could be singing, it, it could be many things. It's something you enjoy and that makes you present. So that's sort of the concept is, yes, you may need a medication in the beginning, um, You know, especially when you're in that acute pain. But I think it also is helpful to have someone say, let's give you a medication that's not a narcotic and let's help you out of this. And someone to remind you, this isn't forever, right? You have that feeling of I wanna die because your mind catastrophizes and I don't wanna speak your words because you're, you're much more knowledgeable about this than I am, but you know, your mind catastrophizes about, oh my goodness, worst case scenario, I'm gonna be like this the whole, my whole life. And no one wants to be like that their whole life, but it's really just a moment in time. And so getting some perspective and having someone who helps you with that, I think is really beneficial. And the number one way to prevent opioid addiction is to never take one. It, it's really that simple.
0: I agree. I've worked with um, addiction for many, many years. then know that when you are taking opiates um, that it just doesn't stay um, at the same rate, obviously. Mm-hmm. It uh, you know your body tolerates it, you want more and more and more. And then many people then do uh, kind of awkward things with their medications. They go mm-hmm. to different doctors and the patterns of addiction uh, gets worse and worse as it as it shows up. and Although your pain is gone or some matters of your physical bodies, but then you just added uh, a lifetime illness kind of to yourself uh, from there. Um, You talk about proven ways to treat the pain without the medication. Um, Can you share a little bit about those?
1: Sure. And so I think, you know, once you're out of that acute flare, then that's when you get into these sorts of treatments. Uh, and that's sort of managing it, or if it's a reoccurring pain, if you want to minimize how often it happens, there's a lot of data that shows that the food we eat, so our fuel makes a difference. So if we eat more inflammatory foods, and the standard American diet, the acronym, unfortunately, is SAD, and that's because it is SAD, right? It's hurting us. Um, It's a lot of processed foods. It's not a lot of um, plants. It's not a lot of vegetables. It's not a lot of legumes. It's not a lot of plant-based proteins. And it's, Added salt, a lot of trans fat, a lot of saturated fats. Um, and the worst is a lot of sugar, right? So sugar and salt make things live longer on the shelf and still taste fresh. And so all of our food is loaded with that. And that's actually causing more inflammation. And going back to that knee analogy, that's causing swelling in your back and in your muscles. And you can't always see it. So, you know, maybe, you know, someone doesn't have the best eating habits, you know, and it they may be because they're not aware that this thing affects their pain. Um, maybe that was the way they were raised or maybe a time factor or a financial factor. There's so many reasons. Uh, and they're doing something that's actually making their pain more likely to occur and to last longer. And so if we can make these little tweaks that reduce inflammation, again, focusing on food in this discussion, um, you know that can make a big difference. And it can be simple, really simple. Um, it has to be goal-oriented though. So you can't just say, oh, I want to eat more veggies, right? Because that is not a goal. That is just a general concept. You have to own that goal with a time and a place and how you're going to implement it. So it has to be every night at dinner, half my plate will be filled with green leafy vegetables. Okay. That's a goal. That's something that's achievable and measurable. And that's something you can follow through on. And that's something you should put a little sticker on your calendar or, you know, in your diary or whatever, even on your phone that you did it because the human brain loves rewards, right? So we love that little dopamine hit. And if we can get it from good things like eating half our plate full of vegetables, as opposed to, not so beneficial things such as you know, donuts and chips, which also give us that dopamine hit, um, then we're gonna end up better in the long run.
0: And I think the awareness of what uh, type of food affects the, the body in a particular way, because some people might have allergies to a particular food, which mm-hmm. gets them disoriented. There are some food that might do this for everybody or there are particular food that might match somebody's body and not somebody else's body. Um, for example, I've really noticed when I drink alcohol, like I, I don't drink alcohol a lot, but once in a while when it's a social, um, all of my joints start hurting and then I have shooting pain uh, mm-hmm. coming through my body. And a lot of other people don't experience that. Um, or, you know, I have feta cheese and I feel foggy for a minute. So there are also the, not only the, the ones that you said that it's been proven that does this to everybody's body, but this awareness of. Um what happens to my body? What am I uh, not supposed to eat? If I'm gonna drink? like for some people, rice is very good. For me particularly, I blow up like a balloon when I eat rice at any time. So that's what happens to my body. So uh, part of the mindfulness that you were talking about is this type of an awareness about your body that how does your body react to different foods? And it seems like if you're more aware of that, you can, start eliminating those or making it less in your diet in that sense right
1: yeah i think that's a really great point everyone is different this is completely individual Uh, and keeping a food diary can be a little bit tedious but it can be helpful even if you just do it for a couple days um, a week would be ideal and see what are my pain levels those days is there any connection you know and just sort of keeping a diary which would be your foods how much you slept that night how what your stress was on a scale from zero to 10? And I think when you see it in black and white in writing, uh, oh, look, when my stress is this high, when I don't sleep well, my pain is this much worse, it helps you prioritize it. And the same with the foods. If you notice, like you've been very astute to notice, you know, that certain foods aggravate symptoms for you, then you're going to be more mindful and not engage with those foods and you're going to feel better in general.
0: You also talked about a very, very important factor, which is the tolerance of, of pain.
1: I know that, um, for
0: example, when we even work with emotions, many people utilize uh, different type of numbing um, agents, let's say alcohol or drugs or anything else. Mm-hmm in order to numb their feeling, because they just can't tolerate their feeling. Like somebody has a minute level of anxiety or sadness or anger, they're like, okay, give me something immediately to numb it down because I can't feel, or any type of feeling just becomes so intense. And I'm, I'm sensing that you, where you were talking about pain is almost the same thing where people have, uh, when they, if, if there is a chronic pain that is there, Um, that there are ways of learning how to be with that pain versus fighting with that pain and the more that we allow ourselves to be and part of the stress um, reducing techniques that you were also um, alluding to and talking about that when you know how to be with the pain then you kind of like allow it to be and you move on with life although you take care of it but move on in life But it seems like when you are intolerant of it or fight with it or consistently or, you know, in some struggle with it, that it just exasperates it. What are your experience uh, with the concept of containing as you were sharing with us?
1: Yes, that's so true. So um, you may have heard of that acronym RAIN, which is a popular uh, acronym, right? So recognize, allow, investigate, nurture. And that's more for a mindfulness tool for compassion. But in the book, I talk about a tweak on it um, called pain, of course, um, and it's to disrupt negative pat pain, like pain thinking patterns. So um, sort of thought spirals. And so it's pause and accept are the first two, which is exactly what you're saying is, you know, if you try to fight it, it's just going to make it worse or it's going to make it come out in another way. So manifest in a different way, whether that's snapping at someone, um, whether it's having some spasms or pain elsewhere. Whether that's your blood sugar or blood pressure rising so if you struggle with it or if you try to suppress it it's going to actually become worse down the road so after pause and accept the next part of it's inquire which is sort of thinking about where is this negative thinking coming so it's one level to have pain which unfortunately at some point in our life we're all going to have some pain it's another thing to suffer right so suffering is the emotional part that comes into it and that can sort of magnify it so if you can pause accept Inquire: Why am I thinking this way? Why am I thinking? Oh, my pain always does this. Every time I want to do something fun, my back hurts. Right? And so you have that thought pattern you know, built into your mind, and so you can learn to just recognize that, and then go to the end of pain, which is now decide and decide what action can I take to make this better, or maybe there's no action that needs to be taken. But sometimes there is, and sometimes there isn't. So you could say, oh, I don't even know if I want to go out to dinner. Every time I try to go out Friday night, my back hurts. Right? So I'm just not even going to go. So, then you shut down, you lose social connection, and that actually makes inflammation and pain worse too. So, another way to go at it is okay, every time I try to go out Friday, I feel my back pain coming on. How can I be proactive? Right? So, what shoes can I wear? What non narcotic medication can I take? Is there a topical patch I can use? Is there a heating pad I can take with me? Can I ask to be seated near the door so I don't have to walk as far? You know, can I ask so and so if I can use their arm when I walk so I have less pressure on my back? So, there's lots of workarounds. And I think feeling that you don't have loss of control and that you have some power over it makes it a little bit better and i'm not going to mislead anyone and say that these techniques mean you have zero out of pen pain right these techniques mean that the pain is manageable and you can live your life and function and that's really our goal Mm -hmm.
0: so share with us relief uh five r what is a relief five r plan that you have in your book one chapter is about this
1: yeah, so um it's it's the lifestyle things we talked about. So uh mnemonics and a system kind of helps make it fit together better. So I came up with a relief five R. So the five Rs are refuel, which refers to food, revitalize, which is exercise, recharge, which is sleep, refresh, which is stress reduction, and relate, which is relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. And you call it cost-free quantity and refill unlimited, no side
1: effect, and evidence-based. <laughs> Right, that's my little image now with the prescription pad. Yeah, so instead of writing a prescription for uh, medication, it's the prescription for the Relief 5-Hour plan.
0: Yes, um, and then you uh, talk about each one of those in length, in um, how to refuel, what kind of food um, uh, gives you inflammation and what not to eat, which you were explaining to us. And then um, you also talk about micro boost and how they help one get to a life with less pain. What are the micro boosts?
1: So micro boosts are those little steps that add up to big pain relief. So uh, it's doing something small that can make a big difference later. For example, someone who is always seated at their computer for work or for social activities, um, it's putting a timer on your phone every hour and doing the shoulder shrugs and neck rolls just to loosen up the muscles. I could even do some pelvic tilts. You could pretend to go to the bathroom if you're at work, just get up, take a loop, come right back. Um, The idea is to do tiny little steps which are going to help your overall inflammation level.
0: And is the inflammation also um, work with um, just your body and food and the gut microbe, or is it also uh, would just just the stress itself give you inflammation or is it mostly food related?
1: You're right. It's, it's really all of them. So they can all cause inflammation. So there's a gut microbiome, which has a huge impact. Um, and that's where you want to eat healthy probiotic food to prebiotic foods, but there's also, um, sleep. So lack of sleep causes a great deal of inflammation. Uh, lack of exercise can cause inflammation, but more than that exercising can reduce inflammation. And so, um, you know, we talked about mindset and mood a little bit earlier, and I call it like the exercise secret sauce is that it releases painkillers, endorphins. It releases more serotonin, which as you know, is what's um, activated in the number one antidepressants in the United States or serotonin reuptake um, medications. So that's a kind of, I, I hate that term, it's a feel-good chemical, but it is sort of like a feel-good chemical. Um, exercise activates your natural marijuana, so your endocannabinoids. it actually helps with that too. Um, there's something called myokines, and those get activated too, which help with inflammation of the muscle. So, It's all of it, it's not just food, it's exercise, it's stress, it's sleep. They can all help reduce inflammation and make sure you have less pain as much as possible.
0: Can you um, talk about the pain relieving benefits of polyphenols, the micronutrients that naturally occur in plants?
1: Sure, polyphenols are a type of phytonutrient. So phyto means plant, so it's plant nutrient. So it's nutrients you find from plants and they give plants their color. And so that's why people say eat the rainbow because they want you to have a variety of plant phytonutrients, including polyphenols, and they protect the plant from disease, from insects, and there's something that actually helps reduce inflammation and is an antioxidant benefit for us too, as as humans. Uh, and eating a variety of different colors gives us different types of phytonutrients.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, your book has a lot about nutrients and food. I, um, as I look at it, not only has about the supplements, it has uh, the concepts of fasting and what works, um, types of fasting that works. What are your thoughts about the intermittent fasting?
1: I think there's some good data there for inflammation. I don't know if I necessarily say it's the best thing for weight loss. And I think that's where some of the data gets modeled because um, people are always looking for weight loss, uh, but it's really great for inflammation. Um, you know, and it has to be cleared by your physician, of course, but the best kind of fasting is intermittent fasting. That's actually circadian fasting or circadian eating. So that's sort of going with the way we were made um, in terms of natural patterns. So if you eat more matched up to daytime hours and less at nighttime hours, that's better for your overall health. That's better for food processing that corresponds to your hormone rises and cortisol and melatonin. It's going to help you have better sleep. So, you know, humans aren't made to have a 7-Eleven and a 24-hour open fridge and, and eat at midnight, you know, and then go to sleep. You know, we need time to process food. We need to not be having those insulin and sugar spikes together so late at night um, and we need time to clean up. And so intermittent fasting lets ourselves get cleaned up basically to get rid of all the debris and to re- sort of renew for the next day and the next onslaught of food and, and input.
0: Mm-hmm. You talked about relief as like a set for success uh, in for the refuel. You talk about removing barriers and tensions and eating healthier snacks and the micro boost that we talked about. And then uh, the E is for eye level like intention drinking more water um, and uh, each night fill up their usable water bottle and put it in front of the fridge and then you to keep drinking it Link to specific activities eat more plant-based food I for a de- you know I declare uh, to eat more fruit or whatever is good for your body and then encourage the E is for encourage pro- progress by tracking um, so that you're more aware of what you're doing, and then feel better. Uh, you've brought a lot of uh, systematic, and, and th- this this book is great. It has everything for you, and then it talks about revitalizing, which you shared a, a bit about. Um, when we're talking about the pain itself, uh, something else that consistently not only that I'm getting, you know, I'm 60 and I'm beginning to feel it, but mostly as I work with people who are aging, pain just becomes part of life. And it's like, how do you, um, how do you accept it uh, to also be there without, um, it's just, you know, sometimes as, as when we're young, we don't expect it. And when it's there, we're surprised as if like, you know, why is it here? Or it's, attached to some injury like okay you fall or you're doing sports and then you expect it to go away immediately but as you're aging you don't expect it to go away anymore you expect it to kind of stay and kind of become best friends with it all <laughs> for a
1: lifetime what are your thoughts about that well, uh, unfortunately, yes, as we age, we heal much slower. So, you know, if I get a cut on my finger, it might take a week and a half. And for, you know, my eight-year-old daughter, it takes a day uh, to heal. So yeah, there's definitely different rates of healing. Uh, I think what it boils back down to is function, right? So you may have some pain, but as long as it's not keeping you from doing the things you want to do, I think it's a lot easier to accept it. Sort of like you said, in some ways, part of aging for some people, Um And as long as it's low level so that's really the goal of the book that's really the goal of everything i do is to help people function so we're not really worried about the pain scale from zero to ten we're not going to be hung up on numbers we're going to be hung up on what your goals my goal is to go to my daughter's soccer game okay is the pain stopping you yes okay so we need to work on that is it not stopping you no i can still go to the soccer game i can still do what i want well you know maybe that's just a compromise then you know and it's it's not perfect but like you said maybe it's just sort of part of life And we can always strive to get towards perfect, but at least if you can do what you want, that's really what we're going for.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Another aspect uh, that you also talk about in book and you you talked about it when it's relate. And it seems like when you are um, with people, with friends, talking, you're in a socialization, a lot of people let go and lift off from their body and they put themselves out of here and out here. And uh, somehow in that relatedness, uh, togetherness, connectedness, um, they feel much better versus aloneness and in a lonely time and all isolating. And when you're isolating, sometimes your body talks loud. Remember when you're in a house with a lot of wood, when it's all quiet, the wood talks consistently and you're listening to every single sound. But then when you're having a party, when people are there and you're you know talking, you don't hear the wood a lot <laughs> you know, and the sound of it. And it, it somehow is almost like the same analogy when people are sitting home doing nothing and kind of mm-hmm. like every part of their body, they're more hypersensitive from every single angle that that body kind of like squeeze, you know, you know, squeals and does its own thing. But then when we're together, uh, most people don't even realize they're not, you know, they're not suffering from whatever is happening in their body. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think that's so true. I, and I love your, you know, wood floor open house analogy because that's just so vivid and beautiful um, and really easy to relate to. But I mean, we saw it with the pandemic. I mean, you know, again, this is much more your field than my field, but, you know, rates of depression. Skyrocketed um, even within the first few weeks. There's a lot of studies on that. Um, suicidal thoughts went up as well. Uh, we know that one of the harshest forms of punishment um, for people who are in prison is to be, um, you know, put alone, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's, they know that that's basically the cruelest thing you can do, right? That's the highest form of punishment to put someone in isolation. And so um, that alone sort of speaks volumes. You know, we know it's the worst punishment, so we know it's a gift to be around people. Obviously, there's some people who help you bloom more <laughs> than others, but um, there's a lot of data that exactly what you said. If if you're by yourself, you kind of amplify things, um, and you sort of get lost in your own world a little bit. And the other thing that sort of piggybacks on that is having a sense of purpose. You know, that you're helping people, and Actually, helping people. And it can be really little things like holding the door open, um, smiling at the cashier, really small little things like that. And those tiny little, like micro boost, like micro social interactions can sort of add up to synergistically a much bigger impact. So even if you live alone, you know, but if you go to the library every afternoon or if you go to the same, you know, coffee shop and you see some people and you get around, and you start to make friends and you say hello and have a little conversation, that's going to make a huge impact on your overall health versus just staying at home by yourself and not interacting with people at all. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that.
0: So for people who you um, have worked with where they got, um, they had injury, uh, they went to um, an emergency room, mm-hmm. they got prescribed pain medication, um, I went to because I had a bloody nose and I came out with 30 Vicodins. I have no idea why. Wow. Um, And so a lot of people, when they go into the hospital for any reason, they are prescribed some sort of a pain medication. Um, They get involved. uh, Now they have the issue. But then when they want to quit or they want to go into rehab and they want to let it go, the fear of, i cannot tolerate pain keeps coming back up and sometimes we see this revolving door and i'm talking beyond just the matter of the addiction itself that there's really some pain there that you know it's valid the fear of not having the ability to tolerate pain is there what are your some of your suggestions that you have for your patients as they might come in to you while they're already using opiates and you're trying to work with them with the pain management techniques so that they can get off of the opiates and then move to other solutions that are um, beyond uh, opiate but tolerant of pain
1: so i think you know one thing is is working with a great therapist uh, you know i'm having part of a multimodal team approach to it so you know, me again, sitting for 15 minutes with a patient isn't gonna solve, you know, an issue like that. So I think having a great support system, I think having little tiny goals and again, functional goals. So for someone like that, you know, they're so worried about the pain that talking about pain numbers and the zero to 10 scale is, is pretty much useless. Um, you know, so you have to say, okay, where well, our goal is, you know, if you are going to be winning from a medication with again, a whole team and just going down by half a pill, you know, of something today, can you still walk to the mailbox? Can you still get this done? And no one's trying to say it's pain-free, but can you still do this? And I think when people see little bits of achievement um, and recognize their own power, then they do better. And uh, thankfully, actually where I practice, I work with people who mostly aren't on narcotics and are trying to avoid narcotics. And that's why they come to me is because they have pain or they had a a back or knee surgery and they never wanna go through that again. Um, So they sort of wanna be proactive um, and prevent further degeneration and inflammation. And so, uh, you know, I'm lucky, I get to see a lot of motivated people like that.
0: Beautiful. Are there also, uh, medications that are not narcotic, but they're also localized. Like they would actually give, for example, if your knee uh, aches, that there's a, it goes specifically to the knee and, um, have the medication localized versus your whole system, having to digest it and go through your whole system.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, what comes to mind for that would be topical treatments. So creams and patches, especially there's a lot of over-counter patches that people can um, have access to. And if it's okay with their physicians um, you know, it could be like a Novocaine or Lidocaine patch. It could be Voltaire and gel, which is like ground up Advil in a gel that you could drop into an achy joint. Um, There's also something called a tens unit, which is like little electrodes that pulse the muscle. Um, So there's a lot of localized treatments. Um, There's heat of course, and ice, I'm also an acupuncturist, so there's acupuncture, which is you know whole body, but can also zoom in on a painful area as well. Um, so I think there's a lot of non-medication treatments that, that could be helpful for people.
0: How does acupuncture support uh, the pain relief?
1: Um, so it it depends on which philosophy you're, you're talking about. So Eastern philosophy talks about chi and energy movement. Um, Western philosophy, in terms of orthopedic pain and there are um, NIH backing actually of acupuncture for joint and spine pain, especially Um, talks about more like trigger points and uh, local spasms and treating local areas of inflammation. So it sort of depends on your perspective, but there's definitely a role for it. And a lot more of insurances are even covering it these days too. Well,
0: um, I've used acupuncture also for um, uh, allergies. It was interesting because I went through this time that it was a lot of rashes and um, amazingly enough i I went through the whole western world of how to handle allergies and couldn't find anything or couldn't do anything about it and then acupuncture actually uh, treated my allergies which was really really uh, amazing to me another piece is important after COVID, and i don't know if our listeners or viewers um, have had this experience or not I have had a lot of clients who, uh, after getting COVID, um, they had a huge amount of panic attacks, um, tremendous amount of depression, people who were not depressed at all before. um, They were high-functioning people who were, uh, you know, working uh, long hours and they had amazing social life and all aspects of their life was beautiful. And then after having the COVID, and, you know, after three to four weeks, um, they had a tremendous amount of anxiety, panic attacks, consistently mm-hmm. the body being um, activated. And um, I sent them to acupuncturists after a while. And mm-hmm. it was amazing how that kind of balanced their um, System again, and the panic attacks uh, went away.
1: Oh wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I mean, you know, Chinese medicine talks about qi and energy movements, um, and a lot of uh, Ayurveda medicine talks about energy movements as well. So a lot of uh, ancient systems talk about that, and they've you know been around for three thousand years. So it's probably something to that, but. Um, Western medicine is done functional MRIs. That's where they take MRIs of someone's brain and they're actually watching live as they light up and they find that the pain controlling pathways and even some of the inflammatory pathways which could contribute to, um, you know, mood disorders as well, light up with acupuncture. So there, there is something to that, but the, that's really neat that you can offer that to your audience because if a lot of people are going through that, you know, they may not naturally put together acupuncture as a treatment.
0: Yes, because it's uh, it's not necessarily a psychological issue, although because it is uh, an anxiety and depression, obviously, they come to me. But as I work and teach them a lot of the factors, it's just their body's system got shocked into thinking that they're in danger. And no matter how long, we're constantly bringing their calming down with their thought processes, bringing it down. And yes, we'll bring it down. But um, why not? Like, you know, if you balance the, uh, the system, uh, the meridian system, it, we get there much faster. Why not to have the psychotherapy plus acupuncture together? So one, uh, you know, balances the system while the other one we shift the thought and remind the body that yes, you're not in danger anymore and you're fine and everything is okay.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. I think that really emphasizing that it's not one or the other, right? So it's always um, both because you always want to put not put all your eggs in one basket right and attack something from a few different angles because that's going to give you the best chance at the best response um and so i think that's neat the way you said that you know really doing both uh, i've seen a lot of people after uh the vaccine even um and also after covid that if they had an old arthritic shoulder or knee become suddenly inflamed and angry so these old musculoskeletal injuries which are kind of like calm or low level suddenly are angry. And that's because it activates your immune system, your inflammation system, so it causes more inflammation. That's part of the vaccine's job and that's part of what happens with COVID. You get inflamed. Um, there's even a, you know a pediatric inflammatory syndrome, there's a name for it. So I think you know really doing things that reduce inflammation can really help in your general health. I mean, my book talks about specifically about back and muscle joint pain, but honestly, it's for overall health, right? So doing these things is going to help your mood, It's going to help diabetes, it's going to help high blood pressure. It's going to help all these inflammatory conditions and it's going to help you live better, um, you know, and sort of be your best self in a lot of ways.
0: Dr. Solani Sharma, everyone. The book is The Pain Solution, Five Steps, believe and Prevent Back Pain, Muscle Pain and Joint Pain Without Medication. This book has so much to offer. Uh, It has details of uh, what to eat and uh, what works and the exercises and how to rejuvenate. And uh, it's it's a full-on book about how to support you uh, be healthy. Um, In one minute, as we're coming to a close, um, Saloni, anything we haven't shared that you really, really want everybody to know?
1: Um, Yeah, thank you. And thank you for this beautiful talk. It was lovely discussing things with you. Uh, I think that some of these things sound simple and may have sound like, oh yeah, of course, if I sleep better, eat better then you know, I'm going to feel better. And, and that's the truth. The answer and what the book shares though, is a, the science behind it. So the evidence of how it works and the how, right. So it's the why and the how, and that's what we're often lacking. If you see a knee surgeon and you're over a certain weight, they'll say, lose weight, come back to me. Then I can talk to you about a knee surgery. I'm not doing it. If your BMI is too high. And that's kind of the end of the conversation and that really leaves someone hanging so this book is really the how these little micro boosts how to make these tiny changes that don't break the bank that don't require hours of time and that's really uh, you know what we're trying to help with here
0: beautiful thank you so much for taking the time and being with us
1: thank you so much for having me i love your show i really enjoy it
0: thank you so everyone go get the book the pain solution five steps without medication And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye.